Let us pray. Our most righteous and most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you've done for us, all the blessings that you've brought our way, and thank you for allowing us all to, to be back here after the break and for us all to be safe uh, throughout the holidays. And uh, most of all, we, we pray that you'll help us to continue our faithful spiritual walk with you. Father, we have a few requests uh, for particular individuals that we want to bring your way. Uh, we pray for the the Bates family uh, that were in the car accident. We pray that you will uh, bless that situation and uh, help it in any way that you see fit. We also pray for Michael's sister who, who had the head injury. Uh, we pray for her physical uh, recovery as well as uh, her spiritual recovery and, and help her to uh, be faithful to you in any way that you see fit. And we also pray for Denny's travels to uh, Africa, safe travels for him. Uh, we offer a prayer of thanksgiving for John's dad and, and his um, health at this time it seems to be uh, better. And uh, we pray that he'll live a, uh, a life with no pain and uh, will continue to to be here to spend time with um, his family in a in a productive way as long as you see fit, and we also pray for Corey's. Uh, we also offer a prayer of Thanksgiving for Corey's grandmother uh, for what she has been through, and we 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 thank you for helping her with uh, get better, at least improve. And Father, we also pray that you will help us as students, as instructors, to, to focus on this short course week and to give it everything we've got to, to not only take in the information, but to apply it to our lives so that we can be better preachers and, and students of your word. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, and amen. Amen. If you were to live 10,000 lifetimes, you couldn't begin to pay enough money for its worth. It's so precious, it's so awesome, that if we were to see it, if we were to see it, <clears throat> I believe that most of us would have a tendency to fall down on our knees. I'm talking about your soul. Your soul. The question of Jesus is really pertinent. What shall a man be profited if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? Matthew 16, 26. I would not give 10,000 lifetimes for my soul. To be able to see something of an individual soul would help us to appreciate the worth and value of every person and something about what it means to be created in the image and the likeness of God. I had a conversation recently with 
a graduate from this school. He came to me with tears in his eyes and he said, I am experiencing a dark time in my soul. Can we talk? And I listened to him. And with tears in his eyes, he talked about something of the difficulty that he had been facing in ministry and trying to serve the Lord. And you're talking about a guy that has phenomenal abilities. He has a good heart. He humbly wants to serve the Lord. But he had lost sight of how much the devil wanted his soul. Listen to me. When the devil begins to make inroads concerning your soul, it's a dangerous circumstance. I, sh I cringe to think about how many preachers have given the devil their soul. I wonder how many elders, how many shepherds of the flock have given Satan their soul. And for a while, maybe they seem to really be walking in the way of the Lord. But they weren't aware of the preciousness of their own soul. Four statements. Three of them may sound familiar to some of you. Statement number one. Holy activities can become heartlessly habitual. Listen. Holy activities can become heartlessly habitual. Say it with me. Holy activities can become heartlessly habitual. There's always sermons to preach, classes to prepare, visits to make, uh, interruptions that occur. And we can become conveyor belts rather than servants of God. Out of joy from the heart. Second statement, holiness is not a condition into which we drift. Holiness is not a condition into which we drift. Say that with me. Holiness is not a condition into which we drift. But we certainly can drift from holiness. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1. To give the more earnest heed to the things that we've heard. It can be subtle and almost imperceptible, but over time, Satan can be working on your soul and mine. Statement number three. God gives others... <coughs> The right to look at our life and ministry to see if we're growing. First Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 16, that your progress might be evident to all of you. God gives others the right to see if we're making progress or growing. Say that with me. 
God gives others the right to inspect our lives, to look at our lives and see if we're growing. You got the gist of it. The fourth statement. We should often measure our souls. We should often measure our souls. How do you measure One soul. How do you measure? I want to look with you at five devices for helping to measure our soul to see if we are growing, if we are healthy, or if the devil is making those subtle and very shifty moves in our soul that might end up costing us or others. Are you with me? Device number one. We measure our soul by the height of its ambition. In this type of format, how would you measure success? Well, maybe preaching for a congregation of two, three hundred, or more. How do you measure success by being the valedictorian? How do you measure success by uh, being the type of person that people come from miles and miles away to, to hear? What are the desires and ambitions of your soul? Psalm 37 verse 4. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Paul would write, this is our aim, our goal, our ambition to be pleasing to the Lord. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 9. The height of ambition is to please To humbly and lovingly please the Lord. It was Jesus who said, I always do the things that please the Father. I'd say he's a pretty good role model as far as ambition. So set your affections on the things that are above. Colossians 3, 1 and 2. Ask yourself some questions about your soul what do I desire? What do I aspire to? What do I really want? And what I hope you'll aspire to and truly desire is to be God's servant. To love and humbly follow Him. It may be in this classroom that there's going to be somebody that'll be the best husband any woman could ever want. There may be ladies that will be the best wife anybody could ever ask for. Maybe there's someone that will be a friend that will encourage and help another when their soul is experiencing that dark night like my friend's was. The height of ambition. I want to please my Lord and serve Him. That's my ambition. 
Secondly, the depth of conviction. One of the things I found after preaching for a long time, sometimes I really can be firm in my opinions and less firm than I should be on the truth. When we can be people who are willing to fall down on our sword and die for the truth of God, that says something about our soul. to the jeopardizing of souls, the depth of conviction. Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the ways of Babylon. Daniel 1.8. There in Daniel 3, you've got Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, men of great conviction. If it's the will of God that we should die here, how about Moses in Hebrews 11, verses 25 through 27, 24 through 27, as he talks about how Moses suffered reproach with the people of God rather than enjoy the passing pleasures of sin? How about Jesus, who steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem? What's the depth? Of your conviction. That's a good way of measuring your soul. The height of your ambition. It's a good way to, to, to measure your soul. Third. Another device for measuring our soul. Is the length. The length of our love, God so loved, adverb of manner or degree, John 3.16. The length of love of our soul. If you got your Bibles, turn to Ephesians 4. Pretty good ways to measure our soul and its health and growth. What about the length of my love? In Ephesians 4, it speaks in verse 1 of walking worthy of the calling wherewith we have been called. And then it goes on to speak of the nature of that walk. And the first thing Paul mentions is, is humility, opposite arrogance. If I suffer too often from pride and arrogance and ego. It says something about the length of my love and my soul. Humility. <coughs> Gentleness. Am I overbearing? person who has to have his own way. It says something about the length of my love and the state of my soul. 
patience. Patience with circumstances. Patience with people. Well, thank you very much. The Bible deals with both of those, and I'd never have an issue with patience if it weren't for people and circumstances. How about you? <laughs> oh, patience. Impatient. It says something about the length of our love and the condition of our soul. To not wait on the Lord. Bearing with one another. Bearing with. Bearing with one another in love. I wonder how many congregations struggle with that. Do we not realize that it says something about the length of our love and the condition of our souls? And Donnie, as, as a shepherd, it may be that as members, sometimes that we're opening the door to the devil and just saying, come on in, by our failure to really think about the expression of our love as the people of God. <coughs> the depth of our convictions. The height of our ambition to please Jesus and to be with him forever. And then notice, maintaining the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Ephesians 4, verse 3. Make every effort. Be diligent to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. How do you measure your soul? The breadth of our service. Is there any area of Christian service where you'll say, uh uh? Be careful. Bathing and dressing your husband or wife of years due to dementia. The breadth of our service, what we do in serving others, says much. Then the Son of God takes water and a towel and washes feet. And he rebukes me in my pride and in my willingness to save too flippantly. I'm willing to do whatever I need to in serving the Lord. After all, I preach, I teach.
13, 1 through 17. Here's another way to measure your soul. The weight of one's influence. I just want to serve the Lord. I just want to encourage others. I just want to show them something of Jesus in my life. I want to be a light. I do want to be salt. Matthew 5, 13 through 16. Now here's the thing. Here's kind of the clincher. It seems to me that people who are trying to measure their soul always think that my influence is not what it ought to be. Wes, didn't the Lord say to some people in Matthew 25 that you visited me? You gave me food to eat when I was hungry. When, Lord, when? By our willingness to show God in our lives to others. The best Christians that I ever have known, more often than not, have been people that never really considered the weight of their influence. Not the way that they really influenced others. I don't have much influence. I, I, I'm just doing what I can. But they are the modern day Pauls and Timothys and Tituses. Aquilas and Priscillas of the church. And my preacher friend, who has a good heart and was experiencing a dark time in his soul, was starting to come out of it. But he felt like he just wasn't having the influence that he wanted. And there can come a time in our lives when dissatisfaction becomes unholy and wrong. But we need to have a holy sense of dissatisfaction concerning our spirituality because we want to grow. Now this week, what I'm going to do is talk with you about being God's servant. And today, we've looked at the matter of God's servant and the soul. How infinitely precious your souls are. Tomorrow, as our Lord wills, we will look at God's servant in memory. Memory. Wednesday, Lord willing, we will look at God's servant and internalizing the word. Thursday, we'll look at God's servant and encouragement. Friday, we'll look at God's servant and God's glory. Hope y'all will be back. <laughs>